All right, children, the Arms Room Show with Glenn. And Drew. And Gabe. Gabe's first big show, debut. Never been on the Arms Room before. No, I have not. This is the first time. You sound excited. You're the kind of voice that just sounds so excited all the time. (laughs) Why? Okay, anyone who's been to any of our classes knows I talk at the same tone, speed, 24-7. It it doesn't change. So Gabe is uh, on the the list now of uh, rotation. So people have requested Mark back. So we're going to do more Mark. People requested Daryl back, so we'll do more Daryl. So, <clears throat> you know, we'll, we'll rotate people through as, uh, as needed. Thanks to our patrons for continuing to support the show. Thank you for supporting not just the show itself and keeping us going, but also all of the community service stuff that we do. All our Stop the Bleed programs, security training, all that jazz. I mean, it's free to other people, but it's not free to us. You know, it still costs us fuel, and we still pay our instructors, and it still costs us materials and all that kind of shit. And we do that thanks to... The patron. So if you're not a patron of the show, but you're getting something out of the show, please become a patron of the show. Our top patrons is $10. $10 fucking dollars. That's it. All right. You can afford $10 a month. If you're listening to our show more than a couple of times, you're probably getting $10 worth of value, I think. So what else we got here? Um, oh, the first time ever in my life I have walked out of a movie happened this weekend. Now, there's a couple things you need to know about this movie. The first thing is my wonderful wife has a problem when she looks at things. She looks at some of the thing. Like this one time she ordered this plant holder for the house and it showed up. She was so excited. She's like, my plant holder, this new plant shelf I got is going to be here. I'm so excited today. We're going to build it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It shows up. It's like the world's tiniest box. The box is the size of like a fucking ant. And I'm like, uh, what's in this box? Oh, that's my plant holder. I'm like, there's no way a plant holder's in this box. We open it and put it together. It's the world's fucking micro plant holder, holder. for fucking Smurfs. And I'm like, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's supposed to be so much bigger than this. Like, Did you look at what the measurements are? It's like, no, I'm like, show me the fucking thing. And it's like, you know, 20 by five, five inches or whatever. You know And I'm looking at the thing? And I'm like, it says right on here. like the, So Drew gets excited about things, you know, and she forgets to look at all the details. And so she, she looked at this movie and she's like, it's like a Western movie and we should go to this movie. And I was like, all right, that's, that's fine. Let's go to the movie. And it's called Killers of the Flower Moon. And we're like, oh, that, that sounds like a Western type movie, you know? So... Uh, an hour and a half into the worst fucking movie I've sat through in maybe my whole life, I have to pee because I have drank several Harkins beers at this point because this movie is so fucking terrible. And so I'm like, yeah, I got to pee. So I get up and I'm like, how long is this fucking movie, right? So I'm out in the, in the bathroom, like pull out my phone while I'm pissing. And I look up the phone or look up the movie. It's a three and a half hour movie. I'm like, there's no way. I can sit through another two hours of this fucking stupidity. And uh, so I, like, text Drew, and I'm like, yo, how how you feel about this movie? And she's like, yeah, I'm over this movie. I'm like, let's fucking go, man. So for the first time ever in my life. Both of our lives. And Drew's life. We were, like, fucking walked out of a movie. Not only because it was unexpectedly three and a half hours, and that was going to take us till, like, one o'clock in the morning or some bullshit. But also, it was an awful movie. And it wasn't awful even because of... The storyline, uh, it wasn't awful because of the plot. It wasn't awful because of the actors or the actresses. It was awful because of all of those things. Yeah. 
such a fucking dumb movie for a lot of reasons. And it wasn't some it, – it's all about, like, the, the Osage Indians um, and, and kind of some things that happened to them with the oil rights and their health and all that kind of shit, you know, back in the early 1900s in Oklahoma. And it's, it's not because, like, I, I don't care about Native American plights or anything. It's just, like, the way it's presented, it was so fucking boring. Yeah. And it was so uninteresting. And it was just – there was so much about it that was just, this is fucking stupid. Well, there's probably a really good story there. You there's know what I mean? an amazing story. But it's not there. some. I don't know. Sometimes with those types of movies, it's like there's a really good story there, but the way it's presented is just god awful. Really and fucking. So it never really gets told the way it should be, even though yeah. it might be really good. Yeah, I don't really like going to the movie theaters that much. Like if I could sit in the comfort of my own home in my underwear, streaming it for three ninety nine, and not have to deal with people. I don't know. That's that's my route with it. So here's why I like the theater experience. <clears throat> I love paying $12 for a bag of popcorn. It's like my favorite thing in the whole fucking world. No, that's not why I like the theater experience. I like the theater experience because when I go there, uh, I'm I'm captivated by the movie. In other words, I, I, I'm not getting distracted. The dog's not fucking with me. You know, the, the kid's don't have to mess with me or ask me a question or, you know, a, conver- a side conversation doesn't start in the kitchen or something like that, right? It's everyone is here. Different level of experience. And everyone sure. just sits the fuck down and shuts the fuck up. And that is a really nice experience. What Glenn also likes is to fall asleep in those comfy movie theater chairs. Now you nothing wrong with that? Well, have you seen, I mean, some of them, I don't, I don't remember what movie theater it is, but I know they have like, the lazy boys essentially. Oh yeah, that's, that's what the, we were in. Yeah, last yeah. So yeah. it's like, okay, how do you not expect me to fall mm-hmm. asleep in one of those things? Because mm-hmm. I can fall asleep on my own couch, which I can tell you is not a fucking lazy boy <clears> level <throat> of comfort. I have a twenty degree rule. <laughs> if I lean back more than twenty degrees, <laughs> lights out, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. If I'm not staying entertained. That's why I have to eat the popcorn at the theater because it'll keep me falling asleep. So then we uh, we uh, took our oldest daughter to go see um, a really awesome movie. That I actually really enjoyed, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, it which was is, really good. Which is based on like a video, video game, game right? and comic book and all this shit. And it was actually interesting movie. We were like 20 minutes in and Drew leans over and she's like, this is already better than the movie last <laughs> night. And I'm like, oh my God, so much better. And it was a, it was a little, couple little like cheesy parts, but actually had a really good plot line, I thought. Yeah. Kind of predictable a little bit, but I, it was an, it was just enjoyable. I go to the movies to be, enjo- to, to be entertained. I don't want to be fucking preached at. I, I don't want someone to try to shove politics or religion down my throat. That's not why I'm watching a movie. I just want to go there and enjoy the movie. And that's why I don't go to as many movies these days as I used to. That's why everyone's like, oh, the Marvel movies. You know, they're just silly comic book. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I like going there. You want to know why? Because good guys beat the fucking shit out of bad guys. And God damn it, that's why I go to the movies. Yeah. Because I want to be entertained. Did you go see She-Hulk? No. No, we didn't go see She-Hulk. What? You didn't get to go see female Hulk twerking and all that? She was like, Oh, that's why we didn't go see it. Yeah, because I didn't it go was see like it either. Really, yeah, I heard it was really fucking out of control stupid. Yeah, I didn't yeah. go see it. But I might go see – I would go take the our, our daughters to go see the Marvels. Mm-hmm. Like that one looks like mm-hmm. a good one, you know, fun women empowerment. I'm, I, I don't have a problem with that kind of message oh, no, when neither, it's presented in I. that kind of way. Yeah. and You know, because it's not, it's not presented in a man-hating way because I don't want my daughters to, to have to be force-fed that horse shit. They already get yeah. plenty of that elsewhere. But it's like 
I don't care. I don't want you can be a, an empowered woman without hating men. hundred percent. So, anyways, that's our our movie uh, our movie reviews for the week. Uh, we competed in or completed, I should say. We didn't compete. We completed uh, Ragnar Trail Relay this last weekend. Gabe was on the team. I was. Uh, our buddy John Yeager has been on the show several times, also on the team. So Gabe was actually the first instructor in all of run Ragnar for five years. Six. Six years. I've run Ragnar for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Gabe was our first instructor on the team to actually run Ragnar with us. Mm-hmm. Drew's very good at volunteering people. Yeah. So <laughs> credited to that, honestly. But, no, it was really fun. It was a good experience. I haven't been in any type of race environment since – probably like high school cross country, which it's always a fun environment because there's vendors and everyone is there to run and, you know, you can take it as seriously as you want. And then that's kind of the nice part of it. Um, but no, it was definitely fun. And we, we were making this morning, we were teaching a medical class and we were kind of making an observation to the students about being in backcountry environments and not having med kits. I mean, the longest a run on this relay is like six and a half miles, 6.6, right? And so a little over six and a half miles, right? And you are out in the middle of motherfucking nowhere. And there's several times where like if you were to trip and fall, like actually, if you know, if you remember Red Loop, where you run around that big trail and there's like just a fucking cliff. On the backside? Every single time I've ever, does they do Ragnar in the same place. Every time I've ever run Ragnar at that location, every time I run that corner, I always shine my fucking headlight down there. Yeah, I'm positive that one year I'm going to find someone down there. I don't Positive. doubt it. Because that's a slick fucking nasty corner. I'm surprised Merle hasn't been down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to, no, to hate on Ragnar. Mm-hmm. Their medical team. Oh, yeah. And we oh, talked God. about this. I mean, the literally the first 10 minutes we were there, we were like, yeah, get a load of these guys. There were, there were 10 fat people that I saw at Ragnar. And the two EMTs were each five of them. Yeah. And they didn't. Okay, these were so, huge. And I mean, fuck. King, huge. I'm talking full botanical garden front butts with massive, I don't even know they made shirts this fucking big. These two fucking guys, there's no fucking way they were rescuing anyone on a fucking trail. They weren't rescuing themselves. These guys looked like they were going to butt. There was one guy who was like actively helping a lady who had fallen. And she busted her knee. We went there to get a cold pack for Drew's ankle because she was kind of hurting her. And uh, so we go to um, get the cold pack there, and we're kind of waiting in line. And then we're like, fuck it. This guy is like, <sighs> just like oh, bending down so to, to look at this gal's knee because she'd fallen, and she, she busted her knee up pretty good. And I'm just like, dude, Ragnar event. For the most part, everybody there is here to run this event. I'm not saying there weren't a few chubby people running. Yeah. But what I am saying is everybody there, for the most part, were people who care about being in shape. Yeah. And then as an event, you're going to hire the two fattest fucking that's, EMTs that's you could find in the state. Like, do they not? Okay. If it's a I bad look coordin- in my opinion. Yeah, if I were coordinating this, I would screen who they're going to send mm-hmm. me if I could. And not only that, I would pick from somebody reputable because I'm like, okay, this is a serious thing. People mm-hmm. are miles mm-hmm. and miles away mm-hmm. from initial treatment and then also like lots of miles away from any level one. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're just compounding the possibility for things to yeah. go severely wrong here. Oh yeah. Add on top of that, which was your original point, is out of how many people were there? I was probably over a thousand, I would yeah. guess. Yeah. 
the five people on our team were the, probably the only people I could pretty confidently say with <clears throat> medical equipment there that mm-hmm. we were running with. I'm like, people are falling. There's there, jagged there were, shale There rock. were two PJ teams there. Yeah I, I, yeah, I saw those guys. I was like. Well, a couple of them are students. We said hi, stopped and chatted for a bit. The uh, Rico Suave looking guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I knew, I knew they were yeah. something just because they, I don't know, they look like it. But anyway, yeah, it's just it's kind of uh, mind blowing to see people that mm. are willingly putting themselves in dangerous situations without the proper gear to get out of those situations. And then look which at is you like trend. you're crazy for carrying a med kit. Yeah, and they're like, what is what is that? And then that one guy you said. He was like, is that a tourniquet? So yeah, he was like, knew what it was. So, yeah, I carry a little fanny pack um, that's got my med gear in it. And I, it's got a tourniquet mounted on the bottom of it. And this one guy's like, hey, man, is that, a, is that a med kit? And I was like, yeah. He's like, is that a tourniquet on the bottom? I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, pretty smart. And I'm like, hold on just a fucking second. Yes, you just right. recognized that I'm carrying med kits, and it's probably a good idea because we're the fuck out in the middle of nowhere. Where's yours? Yeah. You know? <clears throat> I mean, there are people who would run in the middle of the day without water. And I'm like, all you. What happens? And the, oh, I don't need water when I run. Urgh! And it's like, no, you moron. What happens when you trip out there? Yeah. Now you're out there for four or five hours. And you're hanging out. And there's no shade on these runs. <laughs> there's no. Dude, you could crawl under a bush and still yeah. not have any fucking shade. And where where this place is. And it's like, dude, it, it just it blows my mind how little people who are like out there. It's like, well, this never happened to me before. Like that stupid fucking mentality of it's yeah. never happened to me before is the most aggravating fucking thing. Well, one of the guys in the class today they were teaching, he literally said like, fuck, I must have just been skating by until this mm-hmm. point because I've never learned about any of this. Mm-hmm. And you could tell he was like going to get on it. Yeah. And he's, you could see it on his face. He's like, damn, I must have been really just getting lucky. Mm-hmm. Getting lucky because when you think about it, Everyone drives to work. Just the fact that you drove to work and didn't get in a vehicle accident with all the crazy people that are on the roads is impressive to say the least, right? But you think because it's such a mundane thing. I drive every single day to and from work to the store. On a long enough timeline, the probability for everyone goes to zero. Mm-hmm. It's going. It's not when. It's I'm sorry. It's not sooner or if, later. It's when. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But now you're just crazy for running with med gear. And consider that there's. The three of us in this room all ran the event, all ran with med gear, and all carried it differently. Yep. Like, there is not one perfect way to carry it. So you can find a way. Drew carries hers in a little chest rig. Gabe carried his on a backpack. I carried mine on a little fanny pack. I don't care how you carry it. Yeah. Just fucking do something, man. It blows my mind. Blows my mind. Um, do want to have a, a, a really good shout-out for my, uh, my wonderful wife, who has been in a fucking boot for two months, a little over two months, and could not run or train for Ragnar at all. And the day before Ragnar was supposed to get an x-ray so that she could be cleared to run. Dan, I hope you're not listening. And, and <laughs> the, our Cairo's fucking x-ray machine went down. And so it's like, well, fuck, I can't do that. So Drew's like, fuck it. Beautiful timing. She took the fucking boot off. Flexed out her foot. We we went for uh, a couple little walks. She went out there uh, the day before and set some stuff up, and kind of did a little little uh, trot, little trot, and kind of walked around a little bit in the desert. Was like, okay, I'm fucking feeling it. And then she's our our top runner. She's the captain of the team, so she runs in the first slot. And she went and ran our first loop, and um, and that was awesome. And then uh, the second loop was kind of a more intense loop, so we had to fill in. 
Uh, one of our other guys showed up to just run one single loop for, and then she ran the most technical loop in the fucking dark, which is a, a gnarly run, uh, and did a great job. So I'm really proud of Drew for taking her boot off and just going, fuck it, I'm going to do this. Clear or not, I feel good. And she, and she it, it's healed. And she did a great job. And, and that's a testament to the benefits of doing what you're supposed to do to heal up. Yeah. So many of us are like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to cut this cast off. I'm just going to do this. I fucking, I don't want to deal with this. That we don't do the things that we're supposed to do. And then later we pay the price or we don't heal properly or it hurts more or whatever. Because Drew did the things she was supposed to do. She's able to heal up and heal up effectively to the point that she could compete in an event that the doc told her, you're not going to be able to compete in that event. And she then she was able to because she committed to really wearing that boot. I mean, no shit. It, she wore that thing. If she was up, she would have had the freaking boot on. So it was a lot of commitment. I was very proud of her for that. There's definitely a time and place for the, you know, rub some dirt on it, we're good mm. type of thing. But, God, if you have the opportunity to, like, genuinely heal, you know, not doing it is such a, a mistake. And it's one of those things that you don't realize until – a year down the road or two two years down the road when you're like, wow, this X, Y, Z really hurts. Why does it hurt? Well, because two years ago I didn't heal properly when I had the opportunity to, mm. you know. So I have news. I had a, uh, a listener and student email me with a show request recently who also asked why I haven't had any Frontier Airline hate on the show recently. And so I wanted to tell you guys a story, not about Frontier, but about <clears throat> something that I think Frontier is going to start instituting very soon. A disabled man had to drag himself off a plane after Air Canada failed to offer him a wheelchair. And, and you know, Frontier, if you guys are listening, this is a great opportunity to take your guys' customer service to an all-new low. I mean, why are we providing these handicapped people with wheelchairs as a courtesy anyway. Fuck them. You know what I mean? They should, they, should, they should walk. <laughs> yeah, you know? Fucking walk it off, guy. All you have is spastic cerebral palsy. You know what I mean? You should be able to get up and walk, you poor dude. So, yeah, uh, Rodney Hodge, uh, Hodgins. Sorry if I butchered your name there, Rodney. Uh, was in, a guy from British Columbia. Him and his wife fly to Vegas to celebrate their anniversary. And he uses a motorized wheelchair because he's got freaking cerebral palsy. And uh, when they land, when the airplane lands, the flight attendant tells them there's not enough time to get a wheelchair. When the attendant said Hodkins would have to pull himself off the plane alone, the couple at first thought she was joking, but then she told him again. I said, of course I can't. I'm in a wheelchair. I can't walk. Hodkins was forced to use his upper body strength to haul himself past 12 rows of seats with his wife holding his legs. It took us struggling in front of a dozen people as some looked away and others looked on with shame to get him off that plane. Um, now, I'm going to pause this story. First of all, Frontier, this is an opportunity. <laughs> Fucking jump on it, man, and drive those prices even lower. You Let's know just what I mean? put a sign, you are not disabled. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Fucking Frontier. Now, here's the other thing. I want to read this again. It took us struggling in front of a dozen people as some looked away and others looked on with shame to get him off that plane. He hurt his legs and I hurt my back. Emotionally, a lot more was hurt. My husband's human rights were trampled on and Air Canada won't respond to us and never did reach out like they promised. Rod is a, a beautiful human being. 
uh, and on this planet, and he didn't deserve this at all. You don't have a set of fucking nuts on you if you did not get up and help that man off that fucking plane. Yeah. I don't know how you look away, you know, like... Uh, I, I'm not I'm not saying I am some kind of saint, but goddamn. No, but there's... Would I fucking not let that happen? I would look at any other man and be like, you, get your fucking ass up and we're, we're taking this. this guy. We're getting this guy yeah. off the fucking plane. That's just crazy. I don't know how they don't... Oh, I know, because it's fucking Air Canada. Yeah, that's a simple answer. those goddamn Canadians. Okay, I also did get a really nice letter from one of our Canadian listeners. (laughs) He's like, please don't talk about the Air Canada thing. He's like, please don't talk about the Air Canada This doesn't represent us all. (laughs) Goddamn Canadians. Blame Canada. What was that great song in the, uh, what was that movie? Wasn't that the South Park movie where they have the Blame Canada song? Oh, uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So I did get another great email from uh, one of our Canadian uh, listeners who thanked us. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know if the letters we get are <laughs> satire or real, to be honest. Uh, but I, I had a really great, hilarious uh, email from a, a Canadian listener. So, and I, <laughs> it's just, it was funny as hell. So, anyways, uh, you're welcome is the best thing I can say there. Uh, baby pulled from swimming pool, taken to Peoria Hospital. A baby was pulled out of a backyard swimming pool, taken to a hospital on Friday morning in Peoria. Of course, that's right here in Arizona. Police were dispatched to a call regarding an infant emergency code. Upon reaching the scene, responders were informed a baby had been rescued from a swimming pool. Baby was taken to the hospital. Conditions currently unknown. Uh, we've said it before, and I'll say it again. Um, if you have an unsecured swimming pool in your yard. That's fine. I have friends with unsecured swimming pools in their yards. No gates, no fences, no nothing. But if a baby or a small child falls in that pool, that's on you. If you're like, well, it's not my kid. Also true. That's also on the parents. But if you're going to, if I was going to invite someone over to my home and I had an unsecured pool, I would be like, look, I appreciate you guys are over here. Thanks for coming to my barbecue or whatever. Your kids can't go in my backyard. End of fucking story. Like literally your your children are not allowed in my backyard. I have an unsecured pool. It's for people who definitely fucking know how to swim or can touch the bottom. You know what I mean? Like your kids are not because I'm not going to watch them. And I don't want to be fucking responsible for your kid following in my pool. And you'll say right now, oh, my kid knows how to swim. Nope, 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 nope. Not going to fucking happen. Your kids aren't allowed in the fucking backyard. And if that means you can't attend the barbecue, then that's what that fucking means. Yeah, it's and better as than a having parent, a dead kid. And as a parent, like, dude, be fucking responsible for your kids. How the fuck did a baby fall in the pool? Yeah, that's pretty bad. It, it just, it blows my fucking mind. It's like you're not going to pay the most attention to the most incapable form of human life. Yeah. A baby. You know what I mean? It's insanity. So, yeah, it's just take responsibility. And around here, so many people have pools. It's one of those things. They just realize that if you have an unsecured pool, it's like having an unsecured gun, which I've ranted on the show about before. It's like you have an unsecured gun, you're responsible for what happens next. If someone comes in and blasts themselves or someone else with your fucking pistol because you left it sitting on the counter, that's That's on you. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't leave your fucking guns out. You're an adult. Do what you want. But if you do it, and someone comes in and does that. Understand the consequences. It's, it, that's on you. Yeah. That's on you. 
So, uh, Mayor of D.C. creates a tracking program to deter car theft. Here's their fucking idea. D.C. Mayor implements Big Brother digital tracking <laughs> vehicle, I'm sorry, digital vehicle tracking program amid rising car thefts. So their answer, <clears throat> here's their answer to rising car thefts. It's not to prosecute or punish car thieves more. It's to put tracking tags on the, the vehicles of residents who live in areas with the greatest increase in vehicle theft. This will then allow them to track cars via a mobile device. Oh, I'm sure this won't be used yeah, poorly this won't get in the weaponized. future. So many holes in that, but they're like, oh, we have this system in play where we can find your car. Okay, I'm still missing my fucking car. You know what I mean? Like, cool, you know where it's at, yeah. but I still Are you going to go get it? That doesn't change the fact that I still don't have mm -hmm. it, right? Are you going to prosecute that, like, these guys? Are you going to punish them? Not only that, but I mean, look at San Francisco. If you park your car there, people leave their doors unlocked. Mm -hmm. They leave their windows rolled down. They put signs like, I have nothing in my car. Mm -hmm. And yet they still get broken into. And nothing happens to these people, right? Like nothing happens to these people. And it's so ridiculous. It's like, okay, do you increase the punishment to deter, right? Like you steal a car, you go to jail for 10 years or 20 years or what is it? you know, to really deter people from doing that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, ah, oh, this isn't very high priority. But it's not their car getting broken into, mm -hmm. right? You know, mm -hmm. if that's your car getting broken into, you're like, yeah, fuck it, throw the book at him. I don't care. You know what I mean? There's, so, there's such a big disconnect between the people that make these decisions and the people that have to live with the consequences of them. I mean, it's been like that for a while. But, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, it's just another example of it. So... <clears throat> Obviously, this is a bad idea. And as people continue to see these kinds of programs getting implemented, I, I hope they realize what they're what they're really for. China. That's yeah. what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. That's what it looks yeah. like. Dude, look at what they have going on in their society. It's madness. It's crazy. Independence training gear moment for this week. Add sacrificial lenses when possible. You know, last night we were teaching a night vision class, and, and it just reminded me of, like, night vision, flashlights – optics, all kinds of things that people have out there. They put a lot of money into these and then they just leave the lenses out there exposed. Now, it's not needed. A sacrificial lens is needed for all things, but things are going to be exposed to the elements a lot. Things that might get exposed to force-on-force -force elements if you're doing like airsoft or UTM, Sims, anything like that. And certainly things are going to be getting exposed to the wind, the rain, the sun, all that kind of shit. Really, really important to put sacrificial lenses on these things. That way, when those lenses get damaged, you take them off, you put a new one on, and you're in business. Instead of the lenses getting damaged on your night vision, which done. is on your head, and then they're done. Yeah. You scratch a lens, it's over. You fuck something up, it's over. So make sure that you are adding sacrificial lenses uh, where you can. The Low Light Innovations, LLI, uh, is where I get a lot of my sacrificial lenses for... Um, my night vision, there, there's a lot of other options out there, but I'm just telling you that's that's where I get my shit from. Uh, also, the Hoplite from Focus, P-H-O-K-U-S, is another um, great sacrificial lens that I use on my night vision as well. So, something to consider. So, Independence Training Gear Moment brought to you by TrainingAZ.com. All right. Our topic for this week, how to help prepare those in your life who don't want to prepare themselves. Now, this was a topic... It's been requested by a lot of 
listeners over, the, I would say, probably a good solid year that I've kind of been kicking back and forth uh, how I wanted to discuss and how I wanted to go over it because it's really hard to it's hard to make someone do something that they don't want to fucking do. And it's really hard to change someone's behavior. And it's really hard to change someone's mind. And I would say the biggest thing, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the requests that I had left, so in, in this document I have that's my arms room document, right, where I have all my show ideas and listener ideas and all that kind of stuff, I'll usually just kind of save <clears throat> the listener requests that, that impact me the most. And the one I had saved in there was this guy, a listener, who had had this, you know, girlfriend who just would not, she just wouldn't take anything seriously. She wouldn't take his preparation seriously. She wouldn't take his shooting stuff seriously, his fitness, like nothing that he was doing to try to prepare overall, just for general everyday emergencies. She wasn't taking any of it seriously. And eventually their relationship ended. And so he was like, how do you find somebody to meet those needs, you know, how, yeah. how do you find somebody who like wants to prepare with you, and and how do you, and if they don't want to, but let's say they're a really great partner, <clears throat> uh, in, in all the other ways, <clears throat> excuse me, but they just don't want to do this, can they be converted? And I'm like, ooh, man, I don't know. I think that it really focuses around approach personally, um, because to you, it might be super important and it might make sense to you. And you may even have experiences in your life that have driven home those points for you. But to someone else who doesn't have the same thoughts or experiences that you do, it might be completely esoteric idea that anything bad to them could ever occur, right? So how you go about asking them, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Instead of kind of you need to take this so seriously because X, Y, Z can happen to you and you're fucking dumb if you don't do it. Mm. That never works because if anyone told me to do something and said, well, you're fucking stupid if you don't do it, mm. I would be like, okay, well, now I'm just not going to do it based off principle, mm. right? So if you try and lay it out to them, hey, yeah, it might not happen, but it'd be really great if we were prepared for X, Y, Z in case it did because the outcome is this and that's where you can give them a little bit of that realism. Like when we talk about stop the bleed stuff, you know, the outcome here is dying, mm -hmm. right? You don't control the problem. You don't have the equipment to solve the problem. You die. It's that simple. Like there's data to back that. And it's, it's a pretty reasonable idea, you know, but to some people it's not because they might not think they live a dangerous life or like we were talking about earlier, they've gotten this far, mm -hmm. right? But it's again, long enough timeline for anyone. Probability goes to zero or possibility, you know? So it's, I think it's a lot about, about approach and then if you can get them to bite onto it have realistic expectations it's easy for me and you to say hey you should be doing this and i'll be like okay and i pick up on it quick and make some changes or adjust something and it's it's all fine and dandy mm -hmm. but to someone who's never done any of this before you can't be like you need to know all the things now mm -hmm. you need to know them tomorrow like you have to be realistic because they're they're trying, right? If they if they are willing to get on board with what you're trying to get them to get into, then you have to be realistic about how much you expect them to learn and retain and proficiency. You know, understand that it, it's going to take time. Like it, you didn't just learn it overnight, mm -hmm. right? It probably took you years 
to get to the point where you're at and you're still learning. So having those realistic expectations of, I guess, proficiency. And kind of taming, like, I would say tame your excitement a little bit. Like, don't overwhelm their willingness. If they are willing to do it, don't overwhelm that. If if they're like, hey, you know, honey, I've kind of been thinking about it, and uh, I I would like to start doing shooting. And you're like, oh, my God, we're going to go to the store, and we're going to buy you a gun and get you a holster, and you're going to go to a three-day fucking defensive handgun class. And they're like, like, "Uh, oh, never mind. That was fucking too much. Instead, just be like, okay, cool. Like, have you read anything about it? Like, what what have you done so far? Just yeah. tame your excitement. Inside, you can be like, yay, all right, but, like, tame right. your excitement and don't overwhelm them with thoughts like, all right, cool, I'm, I'm really, let them know, like, hey, that's cool, I'm really proud of you, I'm really excited for that. Right, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you, know? you wanting to, to do this. Um, wh- like, what do, where, where are you at with this right now? Like, where, what part of the journey have you started? And they're like, well, you know, I kind of was reading a little online or I, I saw this, you know, ladies handgun class I was kind of thinking about taking and, you know, or, hey, you know, your, your buddy's like, yeah, dude, I was kind of wanting to get into medicine and I saw this, you know, wilderness first aid class. That's pretty cool because I like to be outside. And, you know, what do you think about something like that? And kind of let them navigate some of it. Don't, don't just, because now you're right back to just fucking cramming it down. Yep. I have all the answers. No, you fucking don't. Let them have some of the answers. Their Let them find experience. their answers. Yeah. And obviously, use your experience to try to steer them a little away. Like, if they're like, yeah, I'm going to go train with these people, and you're like, oh, God, not oh, those guys. That, yeah. You know what I mean? Then maybe let them know, like, oh, you know what? I would really like for you to take that class, but, man, I have heard or had experiences with those guys or whatever, and, man, they're really not what I think would be a good fit for you. But then if they're like, I really want to fucking train with them, you know, then let them fucking go. Yeah. Let them have their own fucking experience. You know, and, and that, that can be kind of a tough thing to do, but I, I think it's going to be necessary. And everyone has their own catalyst. This, this has been something we talked about on the show many times. It's like everyone has their own catalyst for why they get involved in training. Right. I've literally had students coming to me because of books, movies, dreams, a sudden realization. We, we had a longtime student of ours literally start training because he goes, one day I got up in the middle of the night and to get a drink of water. And he's like, I'm walking the house. I checked on my kids, checked on you know, my house. And he's like, I, I got a drink of water and I sat down on the couch and drinking the water. And I realized if someone broke into my house right now, I have no way to protect my family. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I can't fucking do it. Like I call it the, the witching hour, right? Yeah. Which is that the 2 a.m. time frame where you can't fucking lie to yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and Thoughts you, start going. And you can't you can't lie to yourself. So if you really want to be honest with yourself, that 2 a.m. time frame is a fucking important time. Yeah. But the point is, is that if you, if you stay in that time frame, and that's kind of where this guy was, he's like, man, I'm being really honest with myself. I can't fucking defend my home. I can't defend my family. And that's a catalyst for him. Not everyone's going to have that level of realization. Right. Sometimes <laughs> I had a, another student who came and him and his wife started training with us because he was literally like... He calls me up. He's a guy that I, I'd known through other associations. And he calls me up and he's like, hey, man, I got a question for you. Like, What's that? He's like, what, what really is like the best home defense gun? And I'm like, oh, boy, boy, that's a fucking loaded <laughs> question. Like, what happened? He's like, well, dude, last night, he's like, I, I, I'm in bed. Wife wakes me up. Honey, I think there's someone downstairs. He's like, okay, fuck. You know, so he's like, I'm listening. She's listening. He's like, we're both just in silence, sitting in the bed, listening in the darkness. And we hear something downstairs. And, we'll, and I'm like, Oh my God, you know? And he's like, so I get up and I'm like, weapons, weapons, weapons. Where's my fucking weapons? He's like, so I like open my closet looking for weapons, you know? And he's like, 
It's my golf bag. He's like, so I pull out a fucking golf club, and I'm like, I've seen this in the movies, right? I'll bash him on the fucking head. And he's like, what if there's two of them? What if they're big and strong? I've never hit anybody with fucking anything, right? He's like, all these thoughts are going through my head. And he's like, and then we realized what had happened was a shelf was slowly falling. Some shelf that they had mounted or something was like slowly falling, <laughs> and some heavy object, was, so it was like just dropping one small item at a time as the thing was like tipping. He's like, so finally I hear this loud crash, and we're like, oh my God. You know, and he's like, oh, they're fucking coming in for sure. And then he's like, we wait, we wait, we wait. Nothing happens, nothing happens. She's like, he, she's got the phone. Should I call 911? He's like, I don't know. I don't hear anybody. I don't hear anything. So like we go creeping downstairs, discover the shelf. And he's like, we felt so stupid and also so... Underprepared. Wildly unprepared. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of times, sometimes it takes like a legitimate event either mm -hmm. happening to them or someone they know mm -hmm. or whatever yeah. to kind of push that forward, you know, in their head. And that and, and sucks. that's the unfortunate yeah. time that it happens. Sometimes it's stuff like that. Like, I thought someone was breaking to my mm -hmm. house. I thought someone was, you know, trying to get me out of my car or whatever. And they're able to start the journey then instead of after the bang. You know, someone did break into my house mm -hmm. or my mom's house or my friend's house or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. And, that, and that's the unfortunate side of it. You know, and that's where when you've got things like how you set yourself up in their eyes, mm -hmm. do the, do people see you as the crazy guy? Do people see you as the prepper? Do, have, have they labeled you as a thing? Mm -hmm. Because if they have, you're already behind the curve to be able to be a powerful force in their life, yeah. in my opinion, because all, they don't want to be labeled. They don't want to be a prepper. They don't want to be a survivalist. They don't want to be the crazy guy. They don't They don't want to be the gun guy. They don't want to be that. And so they don't want to be labeled. And so if they if people in your social circle will say, your family circle, whoever you're trying to, to influence, the people at work, right? If they already know you as the gun guy, the crazy guy, the prepper, the survivalist, oh, yeah, gay, boy, he's got 100 guns and 100,000 rounds of ammo and armor and he's night ready. vision he's fucking ready for survivor end of the world shit not me i'm willy-nilly fucking come what may right and like that's what that's how most people want to be seen like i don't worry about that well, kind of stuff because it's an easy way out that's it exactly is, why it's it is easy it way absolutely out. is the easy it's way easier, out but that's my point yeah they easy. don't want to be seen as the other way yeah and so they don't want to they don't want to be like you if you're seen that way yeah most of the time it's easier for me to point my finger and say, well, that guy's a fucking nut job. Mm -hmm. Imagine wasting your time mm -hmm. and wasting your money mm -hmm. and stuff like that. That That's easy, right? Because then it it ostracizes them from everybody else. And, and, and So be the example of a normal fucking person. You're like, yeah, I'm a normal dude. I'm also fit. I also, you know, have some preparations. I also, you know, drive around the top half of the gas tank. Be an example of normal levels of preparation yeah. and start on those small things. Trick them into training, right? Like this is my favorite thing to do is tricking people into training more because I'll just have casual conversations. People will be like, yeah, <clears throat> you know, like driving around the top half of a gas, gas tank and just talk to people about that. And they're like, yeah, but I mean, you know, there's always a gas station. Be like, man, I remember this one time when I was – in my early 20s, you know, the pipeline broke coming here from California. And, uh, yeah, we didn't have gas for like a week here. 
and gas prices went through the roof and you had to get on the news every morning and see like where the guy and then oh yeah my parents were telling me that happened like back in the late 70s i think it was or something like that and they would ration it according to your last name you know and it was like yeah crazy right that wouldn't that suck Luckily, during that time when all that was going on, I because I was driving around the top half of the gas tank, I had plenty of fuel to where I didn't have to get gas that whole time. I just really rationed myself. I didn't take any un- unnecessary trips other than work. I really, really rationed myself. And I just made sure I didn't have to go sit in a line for two and a half hours only to get up to the pump and find out. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah, I just start seeing the half, you know, the halfway mark is empty. That's all. It's because I don't want to be stuck on the side of the road. Or, you, hey, man, you ever like? I, I was driving up the I seventeen the other day, and it was a really bad accident. It was like an hour delay, and I'm just sitting there. Like, what if I'd been on the quarter tank, and I'm sitting there idling for an hour, watching my fucking gas gauge go down? It's you know, 115 degrees in the summertime or whatever, you know. I'm trying to get to where I'm going. There's no gas station. Even if this vehicle, you know, even if the line starts moving, oh shit. I'm not going to have enough gas to get there. Yeah. You know, trick them into training. And then pretty soon someone, then you keep having that conversation with that person. And then you'll be like, oh, hey, Bill. Hey, are you on the top half? Top half of your gas tank? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I've really started trying that. Awesome. Cool. You just fucking psyop that dude into doing (laughs) something to prepare for an emergency. And sometimes it's those little things that you can kind of trick people into doing. You can trick people into food preparation by just, you're talking to them about food shortages. Hey, remember during COVID when there was like shit not on the shelf? Wasn't that crazy? You know, people like, oh yeah, man, I was trying to get like my favorite fucking Cheez-Its or whatever and I couldn't even get hot and spicy Cheez-Its were even barely available during COVID. It was nuts. You'd be like, so what have you done to, have you done anything since then to like, you know, kind of change that? Oh no, everything's back on the shelf for the most part now. And you go, dude, I started doing this thing, right? Check this out. It's a really easy thing to do. Basically, I always consider that if I only have one thing left, I'm actually out. That way, no matter what, I'm always constantly replacing that. So like toothpaste or my fucking hot and spicy Cheez-Its or like whatever. Like whatever the thing is, man, I always make sure I have an extra one. That way, when I, when I grab the last one, I actually, that's my signal to go buy a new one. You know? And it's little stuff like that. That people go, oh, shit, that's a good fucking idea. And if you can get them to implement it, just check up on them from time to time, you can trick them into doing this. Into starting, yeah. I mean, we were just talking about the, the, that, that the other day, like buying boots, mm-hmm. buying them in pairs. You know what I mean? And game means pairs of pairs, not a yeah, pair of boots. two <laughs> individual pairs I only of buy a boot as I need it. Yeah, I buy my <laughs> left boot when it wears out, and then I buy my right boot, you know, six months later. No, but I mean... Even little things like that. Because um, everything is fine until it's not. Be an example of the of the normal person. Yeah. You know, like people in my neighborhood have almost no fucking idea what I do. They have no idea what's in our home. They have no idea what we prepare for. They have no fucking clue to them. We are a typical family. Yeah. That's it. And when we're talking they, and they come through my house, you would not know if you walk through my house. You know, I've got some animal heads up on the wall, so you know maybe we hunt. But I could also have one of those my grandfather's so say, Oh yeah, all these are just, you know, family, family family heirlooms. You know, it's it's whatever. But my point being is you don't have to appear to be anything other than a regularly chill person. Yeah. And then just don't have to be weird. Be an example of being a, a normal societal accepted person who's also prepared and start implementing more and more and more of that as you talk to people. But if people see you as the outlier, they don't 
usually want to be that outlier. Some people are okay with it. Yeah. And they'll be like, I want to be just like that guy. I want to be the outlier. Those people on those prepper shows. Those are the ones like who, the, they like want the to be the fucking Where they like rate them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> those ones. And they're always, they're always Where fat. they literally blow they're their fucking purse sec out of the water on yeah. a fucking national TV show. I live on this 20-acre farm in Kentucky. And they're like showing B-roll footage of like this guy's street. I'm like, cool, dude. You just put a giant loot drop on the map. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's good to know, man. <laughs> they, I would always love where they show their tactics and shit. Oh my god. Yeah, that's always a joyous time, dude. And, but also, don't project. Like Gabe was kind of talking about earlier. Don't project your beliefs and experience onto these people. Don't yeah. don't just be like you don't understand. It's like as soon as someone starts in on that shit, you're Fuck turning it. people off, man. You're closing people off. They don't want to be preached at. Yeah. They don't. Just like I was talking about earlier with the movies. Like, well, as soon get, as the movie starts preaching at me, I'm like, I don't want to fucking watch this movie anymore. Fuck this movie. I don't want to get fucking preached at. I don't want to have something that I don't believe shoved down my fucking throat. I don't yeah. want to listen to your stupid political bullshit. And so, as soon as you start with that, if you lead with, like, well, you don't understand how dangerous it is, or, man, well, if you, if you start getting all about stuff, you're projecting your beliefs about how important this is. That's not important to them. They're like, I don't give a fuck. About sports. Yeah. I don't fucking care. The Do- the Dodgers didn't make it to the World Series this year. That doesn't affect my life. The D-backs, our local team, did make it to the World Series. So I watched them instead. And when they didn't win, I similarly didn't fucking care. It was kind of nice to see the Rangers win because when I was a kid, I liked the Rangers because Nolan Ryan pitched for the Rangers and he was like my favorite fucking baseball player. Outside of that, I don't give a rat's ass. Yeah. Who goes to sports things? It, I don't give a shit. So it's like when I'm at an event or something and someone's like, hey, man, you catch the game or whatever. I'm not like, fuck your sports because that's not how that's going to like, – that's not good conversational shit. And it's not going to help me not project my – because I can project my beliefs on the other way. I'm like, nah, man. We, Drew and I went to lunch the other day. This waiter comes up. He's like, hey, man, you sports guy? Out of the fucking blue. And I'm like, no, nah, not, not a lot, but I don't mind watching sports, you know? I don't give a fuck, but I'm not going to say that, you know? And he's I, like, oh, man, did you see the Cardinal fucking quarterback just kept like, oh, man, that sucks, you know? Who'd they trade him to? Again, I don't fucking care. But what I'm doing right now is connecting with a human being right. that I can utilize later, right? Because remember, we're at a restaurant being served by somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't so want to spit like, my fucking yeah, food yeah, yeah, so drinks. Yeah, yeah, so I'm just like... You know, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, dude. Oh, that's crazy. Who'd they trade him to? Oh, the Vikings. I'm like, oh, well, you know. You're like, where the that, fuck is that team from? That, that's what it is, <laughs> you know. And he's like, yeah, man, so do you, you enjoy the World Series? And I was like, yeah, it's good to see the local team go. You know, he's like, oh, you're not a D-backs fan? I'm like, eh, I'm kind of a Dodgers fan, oddly, you know. And I'm not. I'm not a Dodgers fan. I don't have any Dodgers apparel. <laughs> I'm any, but I have some clients who are Dodgers. That's my connection to the L.A. Dodgers yeah. is that I have some clients who are Dodgers. That is the, my only connection. I will train with these guys, and I will tell other people, like even my son, who's kind of a sports nerd, and I'll be like, yeah, man, I was with so-and-so. And he's like, what? Who? Wait, wait, what? How, who else? I'm like, oh, this guy and this guy. Oh my god, you just hang out with them. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, we were shooting and stuff, you know. I'm like, dude, they're just dudes they're to me. Yeah, they're just they're fucking clients to me. They happen to play professional sports, and that's pretty fucking cool. They put a lot of hard work and effort and energy oh, yeah, into, into getting to that profession, and they're worth a lot of money. But I don't give a fuck, right? Yeah. And so my point being is, I'm also similarly on the flip side of that, trying not to project my beliefs onto people. Because now this waiter dude is like, oh, well, that's crazy, blah, blah, blah. And we talk, you know, he's, oh, man, I'm not really a Dodgers fan. I'm like, oh, that's okay, man. You know, I was like, oh, you know, we talk, whatever. And then he he checks up on us 
Turns out he's not actually our server. He just was the guy who sat us down. Our server comes over. He starts, but this guy's the host or whatever, mm-hmm. and he checks up on us, what, three fucking times? Yeah. Made sure we had everything we needed, brought us our stuff. We had a basic check. Comes over to talk to Drew and shit talk how I'm a Dodgers fan or whatever, and Drew's like, well, actually, I'm kind of a Dodgers fan too because I used to go to Dodgers games when I was a kid, and he's like, oh, my God, you guys are the worst table ever, right? Just a joke. But he keeps taking care of us the whole time, right? It's just good dude shit. My my point my point being is this works both ways, right? Right. So I don't give a fuck about sports, but if I'm gonna expect someone to hear me out about what I do give a fuck about, yeah, then I should probably hear them about out about what they do give a fuck about, yeah. Because yeah, we go to run clubs. <clears throat> Half the time, people are talking about shit I don't fucking care about. I don't give a goddamn. But. I'm around these people enough that sooner or later I'm going to want them to hear something I have to fucking say. Mm-hmm. And they're never going to fucking hear me. If you don't hear them. I don't hear them. Yeah. So start having meaningful conversations where you listen more than you talk. Well, I think that I, I think that goes farther than just, you know, getting someone into this kind of stuff for sure, just, just in general. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because I know there's been a couple times where – me and somebody might even agree on what we're saying, <clears throat> but the way they're telling it to me, mm-hmm. I'm like, "Fuck, I don't agree. I, I don't agree with you." Mm-hmm. What? But we're on a on a fundamental level, we're we're speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. But it's just their approach is terrible. Where I don't even take them seriously. Like we all know the people that are the rah rah rah, you know, and it just you you can't take it seriously. They they, I don't know if it's a societal thing that's developed over time, but. They just, for lack of a better word, sound nuts, even though we might be doing some of the same things and mm-hmm. we might be agreeing on some of the same things. The way they're presenting it is just terrible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's for someone who's into it. Now, imagine you're an outsider to this. <clears throat> you're like, hell no. I don't want to sound like that. I don't want to mm-hmm. look like that. I don't mm-hmm. want to act like that. I don't want to be perceived like that. You know what I mean? So it can just really, really turn someone off from the whole thing. Yeah. And similarly of not projecting your beliefs is also being careful of not projecting your experience. Because like if I'm hanging around with a group of uh, – I'm going to use runners again, right? Because I'm, I'm around very few groups of people. I don't really hang out with a lot of different groups. But let's say I'm around a group of you know runners of the run club of which like almost none of them are prior service people. We have a couple. It's like, I'm not going to sit there and talk about military shit. No one cares. Because they can't contextualize it. Yeah. So I'm not going to sit around and talk about my job. They can't contextualize it. They fucking can't. Yeah. And so for me to start projecting onto them, being like, well, you don't know because based on my experience with this as and that. As a veteran. And, as a veteran. <laughs> all right. Well, when I was in the Army or whatever, like if I start with that shit, you're closing people off because they're like, I wish I understood what you're talking about, but I don't, relate, dude. I don't have that kind of experience. You know, it's like, you don't fucking understand because then there was this and there's that and this, you're going to die, you know, and it's like. Yeah, man, they, they can't contest. So find what you do. This this is kind of like slight digression, but kind of ties into it. Like I used to write a lot for GI jobs and, uh, and basically all I wrote for them was like small business and helping veterans get jobs. I just wrote about small business stuff. And, and I would write things like how to write your resume properly. So it would be like, yeah, for some guy writing, yeah, I was, a you know, from this day to this day, I was in the 82nd Airborne Division and and I was in this place and that place and I was in this MOS and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, nobody knows what the fuck that is. It's like you're applying for farmers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, dude, that's that's no one no one fucking knows what that is. Yeah. Instead, 
you're going to take this. I want you to talk about how many people you were in charge of. I want you to talk about how much money, exactly, assets that you were in charge of. I want you to talk about, you know, times that you spent, you know, traveling on the job so that, you know, take it and contextualize it. Yeah, to what you're trying to do. And it's the same thing when you are going to take your experience and you are going to tell someone about it. Don't project onto them as if your experience is more than theirs is. It's not. Just because you may understand that if you don't fucking do stop the bleed training, you have a really good chance of dying, which we know is very true. Yeah. But if you hammer somebody with that, that might be too over the top. Yeah. Because they're like, ah, that's too fucking scary for me. And you're like, well, based on my experience in Afghanistan or whatever, like now you're freaking people out, man. And now they're like looking at you going, yep, he's the fucking crazy guy yeah. I thought he was. Yeah. It just takes the, I don't know, the legitimacy out of whatever you're saying. Mm-hmm. Bad approach just immediately takes it away. Mm-hmm. And it's a bummer, but it, it's the way it is. You know what I mean? And you got to encourage them to learn. This, this is the number one thing I try to do with people who are <clears throat> not in my circle of people. You know, because they'll act, well, you know, eventually it comes up what I do for a living or whatever. And and they'll be like, oh, man, that sounds freaking intense. And I'm like, well, what, like, what are you learning about right now? What are you learning about right now? And they go, oh, well, you know, I'm studying for this promotion thing at work. Or, oh, yeah, I'm trying to take this, you know, certification program that gets me. Or sometimes they're like, oh, I'm reading this book about, you know, whatever. Sometimes they're like, ah, nothing really. And it's like, oh, okay. So, like, what do you want to learn about? Yeah. You know, and they go, oh, well, you know, because, look, dude, I'm an, I'm an educator before I'm anything else. So before I do emergency response shit, I like to educate people. So as – from a perspective of an educator, learn something. I don't care what you learn about. I don't care if you learn about what I have to teach. I'm <laughs> irrelevant. I want you to love to learn. I, I just want you to love learning. You know, if, if I could just get everyone to love learning, I would consider that my greatest accomplishment. So, like, find something you want to learn, man. Just go learn about that. Like, what's something that interests you? And they go, oh, well, it's this or that. And you're like, oh, dude, I, I heard about this book. Or, hey, maybe check this guy out. Or maybe you're like, dude, I don't really know anything about that. Let me Google it real quick. And you Google it and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, if you check, like, local community college, whatever. Dude, there's there's a way just to get people who have had the, the love for learning beat out of them by public school. Jeez, They've yeah. had the love for learning beat out of them by corporations. They've had the love of learning beat out of them by the government, by society. They like it's not it, it's just not a learning to love type environment. So if you can encourage people just to learn, just learn about anything. The more people learn, the more they want to learn. Nobody just learns a thing and shuts it off. Everybody who's a learner continues to learn. Well, everything from when you think about it from day one has been, I'm going to tell you what to learn about. This Mm -hmm. is a history assignment. You're going to learn about whatever. And it's like, you're, you're, I don't care about X, Y, Z or whatever you're telling me to, yeah, it might be important, but that, that doesn't transfer over in learning Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know what I mean? And it's hard. You know, I love when I meet people with like really niche, weird things that they're like super nerds about mm-hmm. that's like the most interesting experience ever if you like get to know someone you start talking to them and you're like what are, what are you into man and they just hit you with like something super off the wall weird thing and they know like every minute mm-hmm. detail about it i think that's super cool you know what i mean i mean this isn't a niche thing but i have a friend who is i mean a mega nerd about like the world wars mm-hmm. and i mean he could tell you anything you want to know about it and just to sit with talk and talk with him mm-hmm is like <clears throat> awesome. And if I learned something learning. Yeah. And yeah. he's <clears throat> always learning about it because, you know, whatever. But 
us just having a conversation. It's like I am also now learning stuff from him. You know, and for someone who is that into learning, it's so much easier to take someone like that and go, "Okay, dude, I've really wanted to teach you something for a while." And like you love learning about stuff so much, mm-hmm. I got something I want to teach you about. I just want to teach you about like how to recognize an emergency. Yeah. Like what's worth calling 911 for and what's not. Or I really want to teach you about some self-defense stuff. Or man, I really want to teach you about, <clears throat> you know, good exercise. I really want to teach you about how to use a firearm or whatever it may be, you know. But people who are open to learning are a lot more approachable about learning something, mm-hmm. especially if you show some kind of genuine interest. Oh, yeah. A genuine interest, not fake interest, but genuine interest in what they're learning about. And the more that you're going to do something alongside them where you're like, hey, man, I want to help. It's not like, dude, you got to go to this class and you got to go to that class. Like, as an example, the students I have seen over 15 years of doing this, the students I have seen have the, have the best rate at converting friends, family members, coworkers are the ones who will do it alongside of them. Yeah. The students who will, hey man, this is my buddy, he's coming he's coming to the class with me. Hey, this is my friend, he's gonna come to the class with me, you know, or or they come back as a refresher. Hey dude, I already took defensive carbine, it was awesome. They come back at the refresher rate, which for those guys who don't know is 50%, but they come back to take the class again alongside a friend or two. Because now you're doing something alongside them. Now this, the learning isn't so scary. They're going to have a familiar face. They're going to have a familiar friend. They're going to have a familiar concept, kind of a safe place to go to, if you will, where they're like, oh, my God, I'm not really understanding this. And somebody go, hey, it's okay, man. Don't worry. Like, I, I, can, I can walk you through this. I can help you out with this. Or, or someone who's not afraid to go, hey, Glenn, hey, Gabe, hey, Drew, hey, you know, Josh, hey, Adele, whoever, like, come over here. And I need you to help out my buddy. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, man. Yeah, what do you need, right? Yeah. <clears throat> As someone who's brand new to that, it's like, ooh, can I ask that? Can I can I ask for personal attention? Like someone who's already been through our programs knows, yeah, dude, we love that shit. So yeah. do whatever it is you want to do, whatever you want this person to learn, do it alongside of them. And that may be a good tactic. And again, oh, yeah. we're just throwing out ideas here on what may or, or may not work. Yeah, it's always great when we see like um – like a family come in mm-hmm. to like IFAC Lifesaver or something like that or any one of the shooting courses like that. To me, that is always because I grew up, you know, my family shooting and all that stuff. So it's very natural to me. But it's nice to know that there's to be able to see that there's other people out there who are like our whole family mm-hmm. is coming to defensive mm-hmm. carbine or our whole family is coming to IFAC Lifesaver. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So my last point uh, on this topic, how to prepare those in your life who don't want to prepare themselves, is sometimes, despite what I have already said, I'm going to kind of go against some of the things I said when I say this. You got to scare them with reality. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to go to your significant other and you got to just keep dropping fucking memes and videos and shit in their inbox all goddamn day of horrible fucking shit that is happening in the world until finally they go, okay, I get it. I need to do something to prepare. And there's sometimes that happens. There's not a sort of shortage of it out there either. No. You go on Instagram Plenty. and find random videos of guys getting stabbed to death in front of their girlfriend in Gilbert. Actually, there was, so there was a recent one. Um, by, what's it called? Oso? Mm-hmm. Out there. Yeah, uh, that's one we go to all the time. Yeah, we're in the So, in the Postino's parking lot, there was a... No, a, we go to Postino's. A, yeah, there's a, there's a girl that Miranda knows that works there. Mm-hmm. And there was literally a guy leaving the bar, two guys 
And it was a guy and his girlfriend. Two guys approach him in the parking lot. They're drunk. One of them's high. They get into a verbal. The guy has no means of protecting himself, ends up getting stabbed. I think I remember this news story. In front of his girlfriend. Yeah. And he died right there. Yep. I think I remember right? that. Yep. I'm like, I, I would really hope that his girlfriend moving forward after that. After, I mean, that's a horrible thing that she had to witness, right? But I really hope that she went and got some training or something. And she probably didn't. Nope. That's probably it's, wishful thinking. It probably stopped right there, right? It didn't go forward past that. It was, no. wow, this is so terrible. This happened. I have to live with this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. My boyfriend got stabbed to death in front of me. Not like, okay, how the fuck do I make sure that doesn't happen how to me? How it will never happen to me or I can never let that happen again. To someone else. Yeah. And that's the catalyst that sometimes it takes. Yep. Sometimes people, depending on who's influencing them in their life. So if you have someone in your life who's like that and you have the opportunity to influence them to go the self-reliant route instead of the more dependent route, which sometimes happens, then that's that's your power. Sometimes you do have to scare people with yeah. reality. I, I know I said earlier, like, oh, you don't want to be overwhelming. Sometimes you do. Yeah. There's some people you have to be overwhelming to. It's not going to work for everybody. You have to read the room. There are very few people that it works for, to be honest, yeah. but sometimes you just got to fit em, uh, hit them with the whole... No one is coming. I, I'll, I'll give you guys an example. There was this really nice guy. His name was Mike. Um, and he was in our... We had a two-day defensive and advanced handgun class. And he had come with a friend, all right? So uh, he had a friend that had attended several of our programs. We were up in Prescott um, teaching a class. And we had he had a guy bring him, and they were doing a two-day class. And between the two-day class, we were actually camping out on the range, and we were going to do, like, some cool night survival shit. It was, like, really good weather, and we, like, built little shelters, and we did, like, some survival signaling at night. Just kind of had some fun, add a little extra flair to the class, and, and then we had a little campfire on the range, and it was really fun. <clears throat> and so as I'm getting to know this guy over day one, he is super passive. He's got his pistol. He's shooting, and he's a, he's a fine shooter. I don't recall him being extraordinary or horrible, just probably average, right? He's doing a fine job. And uh, that night, he's really quiet, not really sharing some information. So I'm like, man, I got to get through to this guy. And he's just not taking it seriously. So I ask his buddy, I'm like, hey, man, like, what's with, what's, what's with Mike, dude? Like, what's his deal? He's like, dude, he's just a passive guy. Yeah. Like, he doesn't really think any of this stuff could happen. And I was like, okay. I'm going to try something tomorrow. So we're on the line. <clears throat> and, and I, you know, I've been known. You guys have seen me do this in class where I'll come up with some pretty horrible scenarios. And sometimes I will single people out. So that's what I did. I'm like, all right, guys. <clears throat> so like we were doing advanced handgun and we're going over some scenarios. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, and I can't even remember why I was giving this scenario. But I remember the scenario I gave very well. And it was a story that had happened to a friend of mine's brother-in-law up in Utah. So kind of, you know, a couple degrees of separation there. But basically they'd left their window open at night and um, someone had come in and st- two guys who were just walking by and saw it as a crime of opportunity, looked in, saw his wife laying there, saw him laying there, climbed in, stabbed him, they thought to death. He's now laying in bed, gasping, dying. They rape his wife while he's laying there, can't move. He's fucked, all fucked up. They rape his wife beat the shit out of her, and then run away. Yeah. So I can't remember why I was telling – oh, I do, now, I, now I, I do remember. As I'm telling the story, I jogged my memory. 
Mike had said something like, I was talking about securing your home and like, hey, man, if you're already using your gun in home defense, either you are set up properly or you fucked a whole bunch of shit up, right? right. You, left, you left the, the, the uh, drawbridge open, you know? Yep. And I remember this Mike guy was like, yeah, but I mean, you know, you can't live paranoid all the time. And I was like, what, what about that as paranoid, Mike? And he's like, well, you know, sometimes I leave my, my, you know, my windows open and stuff at night. It's hot, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. I got a story for you. So I tell him this story, but in my storytelling fashion, I make it really fucking intense, right? And then at the end, he's all like, yeah, but you know when I go. So then I'm like really targeting specifically, and I'm like, I got to get through to this guy, you know? So I'm like, Mike, what's your wife's name? So he tells me. And I'm like, okay, now imagine two thugs fucking her. Yeah. One thug is holding her down. And the other one's fucking her. And Mike, they're fucking her every fucking way you can fuck someone. You are stabbed and all fucked up because you don't take blood. any of this seriously. And you're losing blood and you can't move. And the, all you can do is just listen. You're laying in bed, barely conscious, trying to hang on to life and listening to these horrible fucking individuals just fucking your wife in the worst possible fucking way. And then the worst part is you both fucking survive. Yeah. Now you both have to live with that shit. And now you're both living with that. How's she going to look at you and how are you going to look at her? And are you going to have the same kind of relationship with, you know, his wife's name, whatever it was, you know, as you have right now? Or is that going to negatively not. affect your relationship? You have kids? Oh, yeah. Okay. You know where we're going now. Do you know where I'm going with this? And he's like, yeah. please don't say it. And I go, so now imagine those guys finish up with your wife and they go find your kids. And he's like, I get your point. And I go, now, will you please turn on the fucking gas today? You know what the worst part is? People think that shit is so far away. But you have they to make it so fucking far sometimes away. Sometimes for not. some people, it's you have not, to make though. it so fucking personal. And I can tell you that worked for Mike. Yeah. Because the whole rest of the day, that guy was gassed the fuck up. And oh, yeah. at the end, this very passive dude comes to me at the end of class, and he was like, that's the most horrible fucking thing anyone has ever said about me, about my wife, about my family. He's like, I've never even thought about anything like that. Because it's scary. And he's like, it's too removed from me. He's like, you made it real, and I'll be honest, it fucking scared me, and I'm going to keep my windows closed at night now. Yeah. And I go, what else are you going to do, Mike? He's like, I'm going to get more serious about this stuff. And I'm like, what else are you going to do, Mike? And he's like, I'm going to share this information with my wife. Like, we need to be more safe as a people because we're just not very safe as a family. And I'm like, good, dude. That's a huge fucking win for me. Yep. And he came back. He took a rifle class. Him and his wife came back and took an IFAT class. She wasn't into the shooting stuff, but that's okay. She came right. back and took a medical class. And he was that funny at the medical class. She's like... So Mike told me this very abbreviated <laughs> story of a story that you told in class. And I'm like, that was not for your ears, yeah. you know? And she was like, that scared me. I never thought about that. He's like, so he's like, he closes the windows one night and I'm like, Mike, honey, leave the windows open. <laughs> and he's like, fuck no. I have to tell you about this story, you know? My point is sometimes... Yeah. scaring people works. Sometimes it will drive them in the opposite direction. So you you got to be real careful, man. You got to fucking read the room. And I had been with this guy for a day and a half all day, the first day, all night, the, the, that night. Read. I had a pretty good idea that I was going to be able to push him in the right direction. I didn't yeah. want to lead with that day one. My point being is 
it can work. And I've seen it work many times. I have also seen it go very, very wrong, especially when students hit me up because they're like, well, then I'm overwhelmed with my wife and my kids. Blah, 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 and then just no one fucking takes it seriously. And it's Calm like, down. dude, you got to bring it down to about fucking 1% right now. You're at like 150%. You need like 1%, dude. Just, just get them to lock the door. Yeah. Let's just start with that, you know? <clears throat> and, and it can be frustrating too because where you're coming from is like a place of love, right? Because you care about them. That's why you don't want these bad fucking things to happen mm-hmm. to them. But they don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. So you have to, again, back to approach. Mm-hmm. Hey, I don't want you mm-hmm. to get fucked to death. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> well, I lay there and die. <laughs> Which is legitimately <laughs> like I horribly what I, I tell the kids. I don't <laughs> want that to happen to you yep. because that's really bad. Yep. And sure, it may never happen, mm-hmm. but in the odd chance that it does, how fucking terrible would mm-hmm. that be? You know what I mean? And so we're just going to take that possibility and we're going to remove it from our life. Like yeah. I don't – I'm just removing that from my life. Like running out of gas. We're just yeah. going to remove that possibility from our life. Well, people will do that you with know? a bunch of other shit. Yeah. So we're just going to slowly just take these little things, one little thing at a time. Again, you're tricking people into training sometimes. All, yeah. all the advice we've given you guys, maybe you can use all these things. <laughs> Pretty much gets boiled down into maybe, psyops. Maybe <laughs> maybe you can use none of these things, but basically you're psyoping the shit out of things. You have to, have to, have to learn how to read the room. Yeah. Yep. You can be really aggressive and go, you need to do this, you need to do that, you're fucking up with this, with some people. When they get to that level. It's easy for Drew and I to have conversations about where, she, you know, where she's weak on preps, where I'm weak on preps, you know, w- with whatever. It's easy for us to talk about that because of what we do for a living and the relationship that we have and all that, you know. But it's not you. Not everyone's going to be in that kind of relationship, and I appreciate that. So here, these ideas we're sharing with you guys are just ideas based on how to prepare those people in your life who don't want to prepare themselves. Yeah. Here's what I wouldn't do. Here's how I'll close out my part of the show here. Here's what I would not do. And that is prepare things for them in hopes that in the end, they're going to use it. Like, I know guys who are like, yeah, man, I got plate carrier for my wife and my kids. I got a rifle built up for my wife, a pistol. I'm like, does she ever shoot it? No, she's not really interested. Does she ever wear the plate carrier? No, I'm like, dude, your money and your energy is spent so much better elsewhere. It's, yeah. been, it's like, dude, I got all these guns in case my neighbors don't have guns. I've got plenty. I'm like, mm, no, 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 no. You're you're spending too much energy. You're spending too much time and resource. Like your 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 heart is in the right place. Like you were just yeah. talking about, your heart is in the right place, but you're putting your efforts into the wrong place. Yeah. Like it, it would be better to sit down with your wife and and take her on a really nice date and take her on this really nice uh, dinner where you shut the fuck up and just listen to everything she has to say and then take her out to some really nice romantic spot and then just hang out and go, you know, honey, something's kind of been on my mind. Can I share something with you? I'm really concerned that X, Y, Z, whatever the fuck it is you have to say, right? You're, you know, I just really want us to be safe and and I'm gone a lot and I'm just, I'm worried about what might happen if someone broke into the house. You know, like, what are your thoughts on that? And then shut the fuck up and let her talk and then try to fill in the gaps with like, oh, so would you feel more comfortable if we got a security system? How about some cameras? You know, what if we got a big dog? Kids would like a dog. You know, it could be kind of fun to have a dog, you know, or hey, would you be interested in trying to shoot a gun? You know, you don't have to learn from me because I know we try to go shooting before and it doesn't really work out. You, You feel like I'm being aggressive or whatever. But like, hey, I know this company. I've got this friend or whatever who's like, 
you know, they, maybe you should go take a class. Like I would love to do that for you so that you could feel more prepared. Like there are fucking ways to do this that are different than how you're doing it. And maybe you've tried that and it also didn't work. Okay. Try fucking something different. Right. Or just keep being you and keep doing your method and just take care of you. And then hope that along the way, your example makes them want to, get better. I don't know what's going to work in your life. Scare That's why we gave you like them. 20. Yeah. <laughs> or you might scare the fuck out of them. And that works. Like my point being is I don't know what's going to work. Yeah. We've given you, I don't know, 20 different yeah, options we've... here. Like try some, just try some different approaches. Yeah. Because in reality, here's what it really boils down to. You are the sum of the five people you spend the most time around. If most people around you are unprepared, you are unprepared. If you are a dialed-in, crack-shooter, naturally-born medic, tactician, fitness god of the world, and everyone else around you isn't, you are none of those things. Yeah. If the people around you are not as prepared, not, I wouldn't say as prepared as you are. If they are not similarly prepared as you, you are not prepared. I cannot be prepared if Drew is not a fighter, a shooter, a warrior, a medic, uh, in good shape, all that. If she's not interested in self-reliance and raising chickens and moving out into the woods and overthrowing government. I'm sorry, that last part was too far. But Hypothetic, Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically speaking. If she's not, if my kids aren't that way, if my kids aren't setting the alarm, if they're not locking the doors, if they're leaving the windows open at night, if they're not carrying their med kits, if they're not carrying their blades, if they're not paying attention to what's going on around us, if they're not doing those things, then I'm not prepared because the people around me are weakened. Yeah. So if you're not genuinely putting effort into preparing the people around you, even the ones who don't want to be prepared, but you're not using some of these psyop methods that we're talking about, you are less prepared than you think you are. Well, you know, I heard a really, I don't know who said it, but I've heard this quote thrown around, thrown around a lot, and it's, you know, knowledge is power. No, shared knowledge mm-hmm. is power, right? Like sharing it with the people where it counts, that is what truly makes you prepared. Because you're not, you're not going to win this by yourself. You know what I mean? You need community. Drew, what's your thought on all this? You guys did a lot of information drop. Yeah, <laughs> I, know. I know we did. <laughs> I'm surprised you actually didn't ask my opinion earlier for the fact that I've been in that situation. So it's, yeah. it's interesting coming from, you know, a person – in my personal opinion, it all boils down to the fact that the other participant is willing to absorb the information. And just like both of you guys said, if you guys push them too hard, they're just going to be like, ah, I don't want to do it until there's that catalyst that happens. It's like, oh, shit. Like one of my favorite stories is one of the medical stories that we share in class where the gal lost her foot and she thought she was going to die and then came in to stop the bleed. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people just have to have catalysts in order to light that fire under their ass to make them seek whatever it is that happened to them. So, but I mean, I think that you guys pretty much nailed every aspect of it. The worst thing you can do if someone in your life has a catalyst is do the I told you so game. Don't fucking yeah. do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't fucking I told you so shit. Yeah, you see, I told you we should be like, you know what? 
I'm really let's sorry re- you had that experience or whatever, but like, uh-huh. let's debrief on this experience, man. How, like, what'd you learn from that? Like, tell, like, How share with me. Positively move forward from yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. Share with me. Because remember, we're not just talking about significant others. We're also talking about your parents, it's your brothers and sisters, friends your friends. Out with. Yeah. yeah. It's not just, you know, we kind of tend to think about significant others, but we're not just talking about that. We're talking about your friends and your it should family. Be and everybody that you consider in your tribe. Yeah. That if something does happen, these people need to be a contributing mm-hmm. tribe member. And with that comes training, education. And yeah. it can be education on anything. I mean, we talked about this a couple months ago, how important it is to, you know, have people learn how to sew, how to cook, how to clean properly. Raise a garden. Raise a mm-hmm. garden. Mm-hmm. Raise animals. Repair an engine. Yeah, I mean, all these skills are dying things that, I mean, even woodworking, how cool would it be if we had someone on our team be able to make furniture Mm -hmm. and, like, beautiful furniture in case we may need that person to do that for us? We need an Amish person. We do. Independence Training is currently seeking (laughs) Amish person. (laughs) We know a bunch of them up in the Pennsylvania area will just go up and be like, Jedediah or Adiah. <laughs> Probably Jedediah. Whatever, Adiah. Come over here. <laughs> Come over here. How interested are you in living in Pennsylvania? Would you like to move to Arizona? Can you export your furniture from Pennsylvania? Well, one mm. last thing. If it was your significant other or a mom or something like that, mm. expose them to other people. And I'm just going to use women for this example. If I was trying to get my wife or girlfriend or whatever, I would expose them to women like Drew, mm. because then it's not so unrealistic, mm. right? Drew does all these things. Drew carries a gun. Drew carries blades. Drew carries med gear. So see, <clears throat> sometimes seeing another mm. person do it, 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 it that isn't me or you mm. or, you know what I mean? The person that's trying to tell you it. it and also isn't like, if you, since you're using the female example, isn't some butch chick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you've yeah. got like some of the gals that are in our world you don't introduce your significant other to them. <laughs> they like, hey, my name's Karen. And you're like, Jay Carl? Are you, are you sure it's not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. You know, oh, like, no. I know exactly pretty, what you're talking about. You're a pretty strong lady. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> How are you doing, yeah. sir? Yeah, like, <laughs> she's wearing 5'11 pants and a you know grunt style shirt. And like, she's got, dip she's got her, her hair pulled real tight back, you know. And she's she got a dip wife, in her like, mouth. You want some fucking Copenhagen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Offers your wife a dip. That ain't the gal. Then I'm not saying don't have that gal on your tribe. I'm not saying she's a bad gal. Nothing, I'm just saying yeah, not just... the gal to introduce your wife to, right? Yeah. <laughs> as, as an reasons. example of a lady. Let me put it that better yeah. that way. But no, I, I agree with that. Is you find other yeah. people and 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 that'll kind of help you figure out. Like bring bring your people you're trying to prepare mm-hmm. around the people that you prepare with. Right. Yeah. Take them again. Train alongside them. Take them to classes. Have a event. Have a barbecue at the house. Yeah, man. These are my other friends. Look, they're fucking normal people. Yeah. You know. I, yeah, I may go out shooting yeah, in the desert and, and doing training <laughs> shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're our normal, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a relative term. <laughs> but no, I do agree with that. Yeah. All right, uh, fitness moment with Drew. Go ahead, Drew. So I'm going to ring this back into uh, Ragnar. And just from the discussion earlier today is the fact that, you know, pack your gear appropriately for what you're doing. I'll use running as an <laughs> example. We had a pretty hefty uh, packing list, but we were, for just camping out there, but knowing what gear to carry while you're running, like what's important, 
water, electrolytes, med kits, things like that. I mean, we even still carry med kits when we're running in town because you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, but it could be the same thing for a gym environment too. Pack the stuff that you know you're going to need. And so that way when you get there, you're like, ah, fuck, I don't have this. I need to go back and turn around. And then the likelihood of you actually going back to the gym is probably a little bit slimmer than beforehand. So just make sure that you're prepping your gear and checking your list of things that you need to take with you in order to set up a very successful fitness thing, whatever it may be, running, going to the gym, maybe you're doing a triathlon or something else like that. Just make sure that you have that packing list and you're checking your gear and making sure you have everything you need. All right. Fitness Moment with Drew brought to you by MRC Phoenix McKellar Running Club meeting every Monday night at 6.30 at Chupacabra in Mesa, every Wednesday night at 6.30 at Dad's Eatery in Scottsdale. Great opportunity to come out. Some of our other students are out there. Some of our other instructors are out there. A lot of great people. <clears throat> you don't have to be a fast runner. You can be any kind of runner. You can be a walker. You can be a jogger. You can be a biker. You can be a rollerblader. Show up, meet some like-minded people like we're talking about today. Remember, we're uh, members, proud members of the Heroes Media Group. Check out the other things that the network is doing, all the other great shows. My personal favorite other show on the network is The Decision Hour. Happens to be run by my good friend Adam Bird, who is the owner of the network. But uh, his show, The Decision Hour, I really like because he highlights people who had to make a decision in their life that was critical. And it's often a professional decision or maybe a personal decision like, you know, when did you decide to make this move? Or when did you decide to change this job? Or when did you decide to, you know, start this business? And what drove you, right? What drives people? And that's what Adam wants to know. And that's what he kind of explores in his show. And I do enjoy listening uh, to his show. Remember, you can bring us out to train with you. Get hosting information via email. Info at trainingaz.com is how you can email us so you can find out information about how to get us out to your location, wherever that may be. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook as The Arms Room Show, Independence Training, and MRC Phoenix. Next week, Gabe's going to be back on the show with us next week, and we're going to be talking about SUT, or Small Unit Tactics, or SMUT, SMUT. which is Special Mission Unit Tactics, or my new favorite acronym, SLUT, which is Special Leadership Unit Tactics. (laughs) So SUT and SMUT are a real thing, but I hate saying SMUT because it's like porn, and I'm like, no, who the fuck came up with that? We're going to talk about SMUT training. Yeah, who came up, who, what moron came up with that? So I'm like, no, it's SUT. It's always been SUT. For some organizations we work with, it's SMUT. I'm like, no, I'm not teaching you guys SMUT, but I'll teach you SUT. So I've decided to just... I'm going big, and I'm calling the slut. whole thing slut, all right? So uh, next week, <laughs> we're going to talk about slut for the average responder uh, and really kind of taking, like, infantry-style tactics and breaking that down into what do you really need to know and be practicing because there's some pretty silly shit out there. And so we're going to talk about the things that we believe you should actually be practicing. Until next time, stay aware, stay safe, and train hard. You've been listening to The Arms Room.